Welcome to Listener's Advisory, the San Diego Public Library podcast. Summer is upon us, and for librarians, that means one thing, the summer reading program. Today, we'll look into the origins of SRP at SDPL and chat with one of the folks behind the long-running program. Also, we'll meet a North Claremont librarian with a passion for audiobooks that rivals any bibliophile's loyalty to the page. So stick around. This should be fun. Hey, it's Scott from the Library Shop. It feels right for me to do the SRP segment this episode. SRP is Librarian Speak for Summer Reading Program because some of my best childhood memories are of my mom taking me to the library to participate in the Summer Reading Program. Hey, Scott. Hey, Mom. How are you doing? I wanted to ask you a question. Do you remember taking me to the library for the summer reading program when I was a little kid? Uh, I remember us going to the library a bunch of times, but I don't remember if it was a summer reading program. Oh, boy. Can we just start the segment over? Um, Hey, it's Scott here. Summer reading, it's a thing. But don't take my word for it. Here's number one best-selling novelist, Tomi Adeyemi. When I was a kid, I spent so many of my summers doing the summer reading programs, I would like to read 50 Magic Treehouse books so I could earn three airheads and a couple of Spongebob stickers. And it was the most powerful and driven I ever felt. And yeah, it's a gift. It is actually a gift to get to go and do so many events at libraries now because I always like to see the children's reading space and just see like, okay, that's where I would have sat. And that's where my entire summer would have been spent. And those were good summers. So let's get past the nostalgia And note that there's a lot of nostalgia about the summer reading program because it has been around for a very long time. In fact, so long, no one's quite sure when the summer reading program started at the San Diego Public Library. More on that in a sec. But first, I sat down with a librarian who's been part of the summer reading program as a patron, a librarian, a YSL, and a supervising librarian. My name is Addie Huertas. I use pronouns she, ella. I have been with the library for almost 25 years this fall. And my title is Supervising Librarian of Youth and Family Services. I help coordinate system-wide programming for youth and families. I mostly grew up in San Diego. I came here as a as a older kid, almost teen, but I did live in Tijuana prior to that. Um, and I remember... Uh, having to learn English. And I remember actually like just doing a lot of kind of books in Spanish and then transitioning to books in English. And, and I would get a lot of those at the library and then bilingual books to learn English. So I still, I mean, I have fond memories. Every Saturday was library day. And I kind of, that also helped me learn the language, just checking out those books and, and, and like graduating from like Spanish to bilingual then to English books. I still remember that. First, Addie told me why the program matters. The summer reading programs benefit our youth because of the encouragement that the program offers and helps build that lifelong habit of reading. In the summer, following third grade, for example, students lose nearly 20% of their school gains in reading. And the summer learning loss increases with age throughout elementary and middle school. 
And the impact isn't just for kids. In the last five years or so, we really started having a system-wide, very specific adult reading program along with the youth reading program. So, I mean, we just found that it's just, again, talking about families reading together when we would tell parents, you know, if you read with your child, that counts for you, you know, as well. And um, then them getting excited about reading their own things and kind of like that competitive fun thing to win prizes. So there's always really been an interest from adults. And um, once we kind of had uh, the support to be able to support this for all ages, we've really been incorporating it as a system-wide uh program that could benefit everyone and and it's it's great and summer reading has always been super popular like burnouts your librarian popular so for us that's kind of you know when, when it's that out of school time and like when youth are done at school it's like our librarian prime time so that's like when we're like the busiest um so busy that i i have to tell you that a lot of youth services librarians the program used to end mid-august now it ends at the end of august but a lot of us would take time off right around that <laughs> August time uh, because we're recovering from like the craziness of, of summer reading. And maybe this is a good spot to take time off from my conversation with Addie to address a burning question no one seems to have the clear answer to, and that's when exactly did the San Diego Public Library's summer reading program begin? We know it goes way back, but How far back? To unravel the mystery, I headed up to the ninth floor and Matthew Nye, the librarian in charge of special collections, showed me through the archive. The earliest traces of the summer reading program came inside scrapbooks that librarians had collected back in the day of press clippings mentioning the library. Join the Vacation Reading Club. Vacation Reading Club. That sounds fun. I would like to take a vacation (laughs) where I just read. So this one in 1940 says, Public library offers aid for vacation time. Busy mothers and tired fathers often dread the ending of the school year. Why not let the San Diego Public Library help you solve your problems this summer? Join the Vacation Reading Club for boys and girls. That's awesome. And here's the Vacation Reading Club in 1934. Oh, 1934. Beat up 35. Okay. It would be nice in these articles if it just said the third annual. Summer Reading Club. Oh. 1931. Oh no, oh no, it just keeps going further back. Yeah, each child reading 10 books will be given a certificate. The certificate will not be awarded until Good Book Week in November. The 29, and we know it went before then, so. Okay, yeah, right, so maybe even 28. So the archives got us back to the late 20s, but if you've ever asked for help from a librarian, you know that they do not stop until they have the full answer. Pete Meisner, librarian in charge of Central's Art, Music, and Recreation section, told me I should go down to government documents on the third floor because each year the city librarian would file a report on the state of the library. So Pete thought maybe one of those would mention when the summer reading program began. Because of the real risk that I would become lost and wander aimlessly for days through the government documents back of house, I asked the librarian in charge of that section, Moni Tong, if she would be my Virgil on this journey into the inferno. And with absolutely no help from me, she found this. So 1915, San Diego Public Library Children's Room, vacation reading clubs began informally and have continued through the years, varying in plans and formality of arrangements. So short answer, 
the San Diego Public Library's summer reading program started in 1915. That word informally, though, means there's still a mystery to be uncovered. But we'll save that for another episode. So let's get back to Addie. Okay, so let me tell you first about the theme of summer reading this program, which is so much fun. Oh, I should have asked that question. (laughs) Good catch. Reading colors your world. Yes, reading colors your world. The possibilities are endless here. And it's all about creativity and exploring art and finding beauty and diversity. So there's just so many things with that theme that we're super excited about. Um, But the summer reading program is for all ages, like we mentioned, and it does start June 1st. It ends August 31st. It has two main components. One, the reading incentive program, and that one is just completing reading either 10 hours, 10 books, or even 10 activities to claim prices. The activities could be anything from like sending a letter to someone you care about, making a scavenger hunt with someone. And do we mention their prizes? You're going to get for the younger kids, zero to 11, will receive a book, uh, a pass for two for the the NAT, excuse me, and a pass for two for the San Diego Model Railroad Museum, and a bonus bundle of comic books. So that is happening for children. And then the same for for teens, they'll receive a teen book and a pass to the NAT. Um, Oh, and the youth also get the new children's museum. And then for adults, they're going to get a mind puzzle book. We're also going to have like a big opportunity for a drawing for iPads at the end. So anybody that participates in the program could win an iPad potentially. And what about programs? Programs are going to be taking place virtually. We're still doing virtual programs. So folks can tune in either through Zoom or through our Facebook group or the the SEPL virtual hub. And then they can tune in to different activities. Some of them even have a take and make component where you tune in, but you're making something at home and you pick up your activity kit or those performances like the magic show and the animal shows or book clubs and things like that. And then they're just registering your um, books read or hours read or activities to collect those fun prizes. So that's the summer reading program. It's free. It's fun. It's for everyone. And by signing up, you can actually help the San Diego Public Library. We're going to have a community readathon where the goal is to complete reading like 250,000 learning experiences or books read by the end of August. And if we reach that 250,000 goal as a community, then um, the San Diego Library Foundation will donate $10,000 to support our youth programming. To register for the summer reading program that starts June 1st and ends August 31st, please visit sandiegolibrary.org and look for our summer reading program page. And there you should be able to click and register for the program. Or you can also pick up a reading log if you're not able to access online. And any of our 25 locations offering services, you could pick up a reading log and just fill that out and turn it in and you'll get your prices that way as well. Hey folks, Bob here. I'm with Maureen Meadows, Librarian 2 from the North Claremont Library. She's hosted the new web series, Let's Talk Audiobooks, which can be found on North Claremont's Facebook page. Maureen also served as a judge for the Audio Awards, which are given by the American Audio Publishers Association for audiobooks and spoken word entertainment. Maureen, how are you? I'm great, Bob. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I love audiobooks. We're stoked to have you. So tell us about the new web series, Let's Talk Audiobooks. 
So Let's Talk Audiobooks is my contribution to the conversation that we should have about just books. Audiobooks are their own performance. I think that this is something that is untapped. And Let's Talk Audiobooks is that contribution to, I have some really great recommendations, things that you may not necessarily listen to or read on your, or discover on your own. But I'm hoping that through this, you'll discover some new titles and some new authors or even some new narrators. As an audio award judge, what are some of the things that you look for in an audiobook? When I first started out as a judge, I thought I just listened to audiobooks and say which ones I liked. No, there's there's a list that you have to actually go through and evaluate. So the first thing overwhelmingly is the production. Does the music fit? If it has music, is it engaging? Is it you know, whimsical, if it's a whimsical book, if it's serious, if it's a serious book, how does it fit the tone and pace of the book? Is it interspersed correctly? Things that I would have never paid attention to as a casual listener, I'm paying attention to now. Performance. I'm looking for those things that will take a listener out of an audiobook. Uh, the other things that I look for are um, audio sound, because sometimes you'll have narrators who talk really softly to make a point but you can't really hear them. And then two seconds later, they're talking in a regular voice and you're like, oh, I just had to adjust the volume so I could make sure I grabbed everything that I I was listening to. And it makes a difference. It takes you out because now you're adjusting volume and you're trying to compensate for something that they did. And so that's also a direction. Do you have any recommendations from the series for us? So I... (laughs) All the books that I recommend on the series are favorites of mine, things that I've listened to that I've enjoyed. So from the first episode, I would recommend um, highly Sonia Purnell's A Woman of No Importance. Terrific story about Virginia Hall and her role in World War II. Fantastic. I love Barbara Rosenblatt as a narrator. She is terrific. Dorothy Gilman, Elizabeth Peters, Diane Mott Davidson. She's done several authors. She's read all their works and she's just terrific. She just has an amazing voice. She does amazing accents. I can't praise her enough. She's she's delightful. So I'd listen to her read to the phone book if I had to. I mean, just give me chills. <laughs> uh, I loved The House in the Cerulean Sea, narrated by Daniel, I think it's Daniel Henning. Um, that was nominated for an audiobook award. I was very sad that it didn't win, but just delightful, just really charming. The whole book itself, the music, how he does Chauncey, oh, just fell in love. So um, those are some of my favorites. I recently listened to Malcolm Gladwell's Talking to Strangers. Uh, the book came out in 2019, and I chose it in preparation for this interview because of its production style. Gladwell called it an audiobook with the polish of a well-produced podcast. It had music, sound bites, guest interviews, actors recreating events. It had all the hallmarks of a podcast production or even like a weekend NPR radio show. Um, and it totally felt like I was binging a season of a podcast, which I really, really enjoyed. I was wondering, do you have any thoughts on the changing format of audiobooks and their production styles? Well, I, too, listened to Talking With Strangers and I enjoyed it. I thought it was fabulous. I especially appreciated how he incorporated Sandra Bland's personal social media presence. I mean, I think it makes the book hit harder because now you're listening to her voice and her 
trying to reflect that positivity that she tried to maintain her entire life. And I just, I don't think it would have had the same effect if he had been narrating it himself because you're missing out on, this was such a vibrant, youthful woman who had such joy and light. And if, you know, you're having somebody else read the words, it doesn't convey the same meaning. And so I really particularly enjoyed it. And he did it with other people as well. And I, I think it hits harder when you have that. Um, so I'm I'm all for it. I listen to Stay Sexy and Don't Get Murdered. And it's the My Favorite Murder Women. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't sure. remember their names <laughs> off the top of my head. But they wrote a book, Stay Sexy and Don't Get Murdered. And it talks about their love of their podcast and how it came about. And their experiences with crime. And they did something similar because they talk about their fan base and they go to these conventions and they host like podcasts in real time, I guess. I don't know. But they sit there in front of an audience. And so they did have snippets of some of these, you know, fan based um, conversations. And I I was like, oh, that's kind of neat, too. I, I enjoy that. I recently read Eric Larson's The Splendid of the Vile. It talks about Winston Churchill and his role during the Blitz. And in one section of the book, um, Eric Larson describes Churchill's uh, visit to the United States with Roosevelt, and he gives a speech. And I thought, how neat would that be if Eric Larson's, you know, the audio production team had put in Winston Churchill's speech right in so we could actually hear it instead of having the narrator, I can't remember their name, um, actually read aloud the words, you actually have Churchill speaking. I, I think it would have added something. I've listened to several audiobooks written by podcasters, Guy Raz, Tim Ferriss. They all try to contain some of those podcasting elements, I feel, like in their narration. So they, they already have the skill set of coming across to a, an audience and being personable and establishing that relationship. And you can tell that in their audiobooks as well, that it's not reading words on a page for them. This is an absolute connection for them. And so they kind of brought that personal element in their audiobooks. What are you reading now? I'm reading a lot of things, but this morning I just started Tender is the Flesh by Augustina Basterica, and she's an Argentine author. And it's a literary horror novel. There's a virus. You know, animals are have this virus, and if humans eat them, they die. So animals are wiped off from the earth, and the only thing left are people and plants. And so people, in an effort to have some sort of meat, start consuming humans. And so they start treating them like cattle and pigs and chickens. It's... Not an easy listen, I'll tell you that, and I wouldn't recommend <laughs> eating <laughs> anytime soon, but it's so interesting, and the narrator is doing a fabulous job. Um, I'm finishing up Murder in Old Bombay by Nev March, read by Vickas Adam, and he's a delightful narrator. I've listened to several things by him. Um, and next up, I think I'm starting The Quiet Americans. It's something about the Cold War. Nice, nice. Uh, anything you want to add before I turn the mics off? I actually do. I have, I make a plea. There's a lot of people who have come up to me and said, I don't like audiobooks. They're just not for me. And that's fine. I completely get it. Sometimes some people just do better with written words on a page. But here's the wonderful thing. I download all my audiobooks. I don't listen to them on CD any longer. I don't have a CD player. With downloading audiobooks, you can adjust the speed. So if you think, 
ah, it's just a little too slow. I don't know. Try speeding it up. You can do one and a quarter speed, one and a half speed. That's my preference is one and a half speed because I find my mind goes a little bit faster. So play around with the settings if you download an audiobook. You might find that it's it is your thing and you just didn't give it a chance. So that's my plea. Give audiobooks a chance. They're so much fun. And then when you listen to a good one, let me know because I love a good recommendation. I'm always looking out for new things to read or listen to. That's going to do it for today's episode of Listener's Advisory. I'd like to thank our guests, Addie Huertas and Maureen Meadows. As per usual, thanks to Pete Meisner for contributing original music and a gigantor thank you to reference librarians Matt Nye and Moni Tong for helping Scott research SRP at SDPL. For links to the programs and titles mentioned in this episode, please see our show notes or visit us at www.sandiego.gov forward slash SDPL podcast. 